such a great day, such a beautiful day. And we're so thankful that you are here today. Hey, if you are a guest, uh, my name is Benji and just so honored that you would be here. I get to serve with some amazing pastors and staff here. We're just honored that you would be here today. And uh, if you'll come join us in the rotunda at the end of the celebration, we have a gift for you. It's a bag. It's got all kind of goodies in it. I think you will really, really enjoy that. Hey, today is the last day to register for Kids Camp. Kids Camp uh, Into the Deep, and that's coming up. And so here's how you register. You can take out your phone. You can scan that QR code. You can also go online later today, but do it today. And then secondly, the last day is today to register for our missions trip coming up to the Dominican Republic, July 27th through Monday, August 1st. Uh, Told you we had limited spots a few weeks ago. We only have four spots left. And so if you're interested, again, just scan that QR code. Uh, We'd love to have you go on that with us. We're going to be doing a vacation Bible school for an entire community. We're going to be building these pit latrines for these beautiful people. And then we are going to be going to work and doing everything we can do to come back with a praise report that we're gonna be able to hopefully, prayerfully turn this entire village, this entire community into a compassion site where we can sponsor more children in this corner of the world. Yeah, yeah, you know we do that a lot in Kenya. We've sponsored thousands and thousands of children over the years and now we're going into this new area and we're really, really excited about that. Hey, I'm just curious, do we have any uh, cheerful givers in the house today? As always, want to thank you for your generosity, multiple ways to give to this church and to sow into the ministry of this church. And when I think about uh, folks getting saved and baptized, I first of all praise God and then I thank God that you giving into the ministry of this church allows that to happen. When I think about going on a missions trip, I think about how grateful I am for you because you allow our church to continue to lift high the light of Christ in this world. So thank you so much. Black boxes are in the back as well if you come ready to give in person. And uh, here's a verse of scripture for you. I don't know if you, you know this one. This is from the New Testament. Paul would say this to the church in Corinth. Hey, why don't, we, why don't we read it out loud together? Go. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Paul's talking to the church. They didn't didn't pass baskets back then either. We don't pass baskets today, but it does give us a chance to just honor that first day of the week that we're gonna honor God with our first fruits. Amen? Amen? Well, you know, I told you last week, we are in for a treat today. My good friend, Pastor Rusty George, is here to, uh, to bring the word today. And we are following Rusty's stuff really, really closely. You know this. We have his book in the Resource Center. It's called what, church? After Amen. It's a phenomenal book. And uh, just want to encourage you uh, to pick that up today if you'd like. I'll say something at the end of the service as well. Pastor Rusty is going to be out on the patio signing books today if you'd like to have it signed. This is a 
a great man of God who we have stories that have connected a long time ago. Uh, you guys hear me often talk about Southland Christian Church uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, which was the church that I attended uh, when I was um, in school getting ready to start New Hope Church. Rusty went to Ozark uh, Christian College. He then went to Southland uh, Christian Church in Lexington where he was the young adults leader. He very quickly uh, started teaching adults. He served there with none other than Mike Bro. Mike Bro is a senior pastor there. So Mike uh, quickly gave Rusty all kinds of opportunities to teach. And then Rusty left Southland and he moved out to LA where he has been at a church called Real Life Church. Been there about as long as New Hope has been in existence, going on 20 years. He's married to his wife, Lori. They have two kids, and uh, trust me, you are in for a treat today. So would you do what you always do? Would you welcome Pastor Rusty George to the stage today as he brings the word? Thanks, brother. Well, thank you, Benji. It is, uh, boy, it's an honor to be here. I've been such a big fan of your church and your pastor for so long. Uh, what you guys are doing here is an inspiration to us all. Um, Benji is uh, a friend. It's been an inspiration to me, and we've had a, a lot of laughs, a lot of encouragement, and uh, I just, I, I really love this guy, and I, I think that's all you said to say about you. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> He's amazing and incredibly strong. And no, I'm kidding. Anyway, he, I, I do love this guy, and I and I love this church, and it really is an honor uh, to be here. Uh, I uh, I I think that we have something else in common besides uh, our uh, our admiration for your lead pastor, and that is I love college basketball. Now I know, I know you're, you're, you're nervous. I mean, who, who, who do my allegiances go to? And I gotta walk you through this because I, I, was, uh, I was born in Oklahoma, but I'm not, a, I'm not a Sooners basketball fan. I was raised in Kansas, don't get nervous. I'm not a Jayhawk, okay? I went to school in Missouri. No one's a Missouri fan. I, I worked in Lexington, Kentucky, but I am not a UK fan. I moved to California, and they make you choose between the Bruins and the Trojans, and I am not with them because my allegiances lie based upon something that happened to me when I was 10 years old. I went out to the mailbox, and I got my very first Sports Illustrated. Here's what was on the cover. That's right, everybody. That's right, and we know God's a Tar Heel fan because the sky is Tar Heel blue, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> now, now, some of you, uh, I lost you, but uh, uh, if you're the other shade of blue, we're still doing baptisms, so head out there. Oh, I'm kidding you. Listen, I'm so, I'm so glad to be here to be amongst other Tar Heel fans and, and the rest of y'all as well. So uh, anyway, as, as I said, I did grow up in Kansas. And when you grow up in Kansas, you have one goal in life, and that is to get out of Kansas. And so I did, and I made my way to Kentucky, and we had a great time there. 
but the Lord had other plans for us. And after nine years in Kentucky, the Lord called us out to this church, brand new church. It was almost two years old, meeting in a movie theater in uh, Valencia, California, which is just about 20 miles north of Los Angeles. And so my wife and I, uh, we had uh, one child at the time. Lindsay was nine months old, and we decided we think this is where God wants us to go. So we, we made the move out to California. And this is a, you know, a small little church meeting in a movie theater, just getting some momentum. And I thought, we need to move into a community where there's a lot of community activity. And we found this one particular area where we could move in and they had a community swimming pool and we thought we could go down and hang out by the pool, meet people, invite them to our church and tell them about the, the, the brand new church and everything. And so we found this spot and we moved in and uh, we were getting very excited for the upcoming Saturday when everybody from the community went down to the pool. And I said, well, I tell you what, I, I don't think I have a swimsuit. And so we need to go to the mall and get a suit. Now, here's the problem. When you go to the mall to get a suit in June in California, you're out of luck, okay? They sell out in February. So I needed to get there and find something. And they didn't have anything except one store had one swimsuit on the rack, and it was bright orange, like working on the highway kind of orange, Clemson orange. But, I, you know, I'm not a fan. So I, th I said... Okay, well, this is all I get, so I'm going to get it. So I got the suit. Saturday came around. We got our little nine-month-old suited up, you know, and her little uh, inner tube she was going to be in. My wife got suited up. I got suited up in the orange suit. We went down to the swimming pool. No one's there yet, but that's okay. We got our little area set up. I got in the water, and I'm floating around with Lindsay, you know, and then I, 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 people start showing up. People start coming down to the pool and getting their gear set up and everything, and I thought, this is it. This is my chance to go meet people, tell them about the church, invite them out. So I hand Lindsay over to my wife, Lori, and I say, you hold her. I'm going to get out and go meet people. She said, okay. So I get out, and I'm walking around talking to people. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I just moved here, pastor at the new church. We meet in the movie theater, real life church. Come and join us. I, I go back over, and I sit down feeling really good about myself. I sit down on the step next to my wife, Lori, and, I, and she looks at me, and she goes, Rusty, what is all over your suit? I said, what do you mean? I looked down, and apparently this is one of those suits when it gets wet, images appear. <laughs> Friends, I wish I could tell you it was crosses and doves and John 3.16. It was topless women. I... <laughs> I've been walking around talking to people. I'm a pastor at the new church. Real life church. Clothing optional, come on, come as you are. I mean, what in the world, you know? I mean, there was no warning on the suit like may contain porn or anything like that. I couldn't believe it. I crawl out of the pool, put a towel around my waist. We moved, we got out of there, you know? Now, I, I trust that you have not had that experience in your life, okay? I pray you have not. But you have had an experience where you expected one thing and you got another, okay? And it may not have been a swimsuit, but it might have been a restaurant. Everybody said, you got to go eat there, and you did, and it was not good. It might have been a movie. Everybody told you it's amazing. You go, and it was not good. It might have been a relationship you got into, and they were not what you thought they were going to be. 
all of us have these experiences where we thought one thing and then we got another. Can I just say what a lot of us feel but are afraid to say? Sometimes we feel that way about God. We expected him to say yes to every prayer we pray, and he didn't. We expect him to be so evident in our lives, but we haven't seen him in a while. We expected him to move mountains, and nothing's moved. And it makes us question whether or not we should pray or whether or not we're praying the wrong way. A lot of times I'll stand out in the lobby after church and I'll just talk to people as they come out and they'll come up to me and they'll tell me about something going on in their life and a pain that they're feeling and, and they'll, they'll ask me, Pastor, will you pray for me? And I say, absolutely. And I say, you know, you can pray too. I want you to know that. And, and they, they look at me and they say, oh, I, I know, but I did and it didn't work. <laughs> Haven't you ever had a moment like that? It didn't work. And we tend to think that I must be doing it wrong because I didn't get the yes that I wanted. Somebody else got the yes. We hear those yeses all the time. I showed up at the mall on Black Friday and I prayed a prayer and somebody backed out of a front row space, praise God. You think, really? I, I prayed for someone to be healed, but you got a parking space? You know, you're trying to negotiate that in your mind and maybe you felt that before. Like, I, I prayed, but God didn't say yes. Am I doing it wrong? And so this book and this series is really out a lot of my own personal pain and the struggles that our church has had just trying to figure out, God, where are you after we say amen? What are you doing? What are you waiting for? What should we do next? Because for a lot of us, it feels like the signal's just not getting through. We've sent that text to God and the little bubble came up with the three dots and then it went away. Now what? So I decided, let's just figure this out. We started looking at all these passages where Jesus would have people would come up to him and they would ask him for things. And very rarely did Jesus say, you got it. Oftentimes he would give them something to do. And you guys have been walking through some of those. You talked about working while you wait and do the next right thing, align with the why. But today I want to give you another principle that I've found to be really helpful when it comes to my own prayer life and understanding my relationship with that prayer that I just prayed. And sometimes there are things that we can do after we pray that determines the answer to our prayer. We're going to be in a passage in the book of John. If you have a Bible, you can open up to the Gospel of John. Uh, if you don't, we're going to throw it up on the screen and you can follow along. Or if you're using your Bible app, you can find it there as well. John chapter 2 is where we're going to be. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. And if you're watching the TV show, The Chosen, uh, this, this particular story we're going to read today, uh, they, they did a whole episode on it and they nailed it. It was awesome. And this particular story, let me give you the setting here for this because uh, we kind of missed some of these details here. Basically, Jesus is about 30 years old. Nobody knows he's the son of God except his mother, Mary, Joseph, but he's now dead, and John the Baptist, and everybody thinks he's crazy. So Jesus has not yet told everybody exactly who he is. He's not performed all these miracles to declare who he is, but he has gathered some followers, some disciples that love what he's saying, and they're following him around because they think he's got great things to say and because they've aged out of following another rabbi. So they think this is my last shot. And it's at this time that Jesus and his mother are invited to a wedding. Now, can I just say this? Because we're in church, and I'm going to be honest, and because I, I uh, can't say this at my home church. Um, 
I don't like being invited to weddings. Do you like being invited to weddings? People that invite you to a wedding during college football, there's something wrong with them, okay? <laughs> Guys, am I right? When, you, when your wife says, hey, we got invited to a wedding, isn't the first thought in your mind, what game will I miss for this wedding, okay? Back then, they loved weddings because people would come from all over for the wedding. They would stay for days, if not weeks. It was like a huge potluck dinner. Everybody brings something with them for the wedding, and they would just party for days at this wedding. And so Jesus gets this invite to the wedding, and he doesn't RSVP with regrets. He says, yep, I'll be there, and I'm bringing the disciples too. Well, Mary goes on before them, and she gets to the wedding first, and she begins to discover they got a problem. They are running out of wine. Now listen, I'm from the Midwest. I lived in the South. I know we don't talk about alcohol, okay? I know you all drink at home by yourself. In California, we drink in public. We eat carbs at home by ourselves, okay? That's our secret sin, all right? <laughs> but back then, wine was a big deal. And Mary's noticing that they're running out of wine. And Jesus rolls up to this wedding with his disciples, and she looks at him with her first prayer. She says, they're almost out of wine. Now, I want you to notice Jesus' reaction. Take a look at this. He says, Dear woman, that's not our problem. Now, let's just stop there for just a second. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Okay. Now, for every student in here thinking, oh, well, if Jesus can say that, then I'm going to say that to my mama later on today when she says, take out the trash. Dear woman, that is not my trash. <laughs> You're not Jesus, okay? You can't get away with that. Now, now let, me, let me explain what's being said here. He's basically, this is a way to say, ma'am. He's saying, ma'am, that's not our problem. In other words, that's not our responsibility. We brought the potato salad. We weren't supposed to bring the wine. And then he says, my time has not yet come. In other words, I've not, I've not performed any miracles. I've not done anything where anybody would know who I am. And, and I want you to notice what Mary does. Mary turns to the servants, not to Jesus, but to the servants. And she tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, I love this. And I don't know, we'll find out when we get to heaven. I don't know if Mary gave Jesus the mother look, you know, raises an eyebrow like, are you kidding me? You know, but and I don't know if there's a long pause here in between this response, but she does not ask a second time. She does not beg and plead. She does not get out rosary beads and pray to herself. She does not, that's funny, I don't care who you are. She, <laughs> she simply turns to the servants and says, even though I didn't get what I want, I can trust he'll do what's best. And she says, you do whatever he says. Sometimes when I do weddings, not during college football season, when I do weddings, I'll look at the couple and we'll walk through this passage and I'll say, I'm gonna tell you the secret to a great marriage. It's just simple. Do whatever Jesus tells you.
Now, you're going to think it's do whatever the other person tells you, but it's do whatever Jesus tells you. Love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, serve like Jesus. And Mary simply looks at these servants, and she did not get the answer she wanted. But instead, she says, I'll trust him. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now, I don't know how much time passes between that moment and what happens next, but here's what we read. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each one could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Now, we could spend a long time unpacking this passage because John is giving us some heavy symbolism here. John writes this about 30 years after the fact, and he has watched as Jesus has lived out his life and died and resurrected. And John is remembering these six stone water jars, which were used for Jewish ceremonial washing, which means the Jews would use this to wash themselves, to purify themselves, to go before God. And spoiler alert, they're about to be turned into wine, which Jesus will use at the Last Supper to represent his blood, which will purify all of us to go before God. And John is putting all this together like this big aha moment, and he just drops this little nugget for us here. And he says, it's these jars that Jesus chooses to use. Each one could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Now that's a big, big jar. And in your mind and in my mind, we think, okay, here's how you do that. You get the garden hose and you fill it up and fill the next one. They didn't have that. So these guys would have to take these jars down to the river, fill them up. Now they weigh like 300 pounds and several of them carry them back in the heat, dressed for a wedding six times. That is a lot of trips to the river. And then I want you to notice what happens next. When the jars had been filled. Can we just say that little sentence together? When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies, the wedding coordinator. And so the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servant knew, he called the bridegroom over. He said, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone's had a lot to drink, brings out the cheap stuff. But you, (laughs) you've kept the best until now. And this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and look at the result. And the disciples believed in him. Now, what I find fascinating about this story is the miracle does not come the moment they start pulling water out of the river. The miracle does not come after the first jar comes back. But the miracle comes after all the jars have been filled. And maybe in your situation, when you pray, you're only on your third trip to the river. You've got a few more trips to go. The answer is not a no, it's just a not yet.
When I first moved to California, like I said, we were at this little church meeting in a movie theater, but we desperately wanted to have land and get a building. And there was this one piece of property we thought would be great, but it was going to be really expensive. We weren't sure if we could afford it, but we decided, let's go ahead and see. And so we went to the city, and we asked them, can we buy this piece of property, which everything has to be signed off, and the city is, in California is not all that excited about new churches. And so we petitioned them for this, this piece of property to build a church there, and they looked at us and said, oh, that's not zoned for a church. Okay. So we went back and we looked for another piece of property, and we found one, and we brought it to the city, and they said, not zoned for a church. This went on for two years. Then we found a little building, a little office building, that we thought, surely we could make this work. It's a little small. It's not right for us, but we can make it work. And we went to the city, and they said, not zoned for a church. And I don't know what came over me, but I looked at the city official, and I just said, if not there, then where? We've been coming here for two years, and you keep telling us, not zoned for a church. Show me a place that is. He looked at me, I think kind of stunned that I even asked. And he said, well, it's interesting. There is a piece of property that just recently got rezoned. It would work for you. I said, where's it at? It was the first piece of property we ever looked at. We would not have been able to afford it two years ago, but we had grown to a place in two years that now we could. It was as if God said, right place, wrong time. You're only on your third trip to the river. I, I like the way uh, a buddy of mine says it. Could it be that God is waiting to do the super until you do the natural? We all want the supernatural, but we forget there's a part of that that we have to do as well. And so maybe the question we have to wrestle with today is this. God, what is the natural you need us to do while we wait for you to do the super? Some of us are just on the third trip to the river. Some of us on the fourth or the fifth. And God said, don't give up because I am preparing you for something that's coming. You're just not quite ready for it yet. Or maybe if I, if I give you that yes now, it's going to take away a better yes later. Or if I do that, it's going to wreck your life and you'll never know it until it's too late. What is the natural you need to do while you wait for God to do the super? Maybe for you, the natural is to simply join Rooted around here. Get into a life group. Decide to go on that mission trip. Maybe the natural for you is to call up that person in your life and say, I'm sorry. Maybe it's to reach out to your son you haven't talked to in years. Maybe it's to reach out to a parent you keep ignoring. Maybe it's to build a friendship with a neighbor and invite her to church. What is that natural, simple step that you keep resisting, hoping God will just do the super? What is it we can do while we wait? I think about a woman in our church. She desperately wanted her husband to come to church with her. He was not interested. So she decided she was just going to start watching church online at home on her laptop and just go sit by him. Wherever he was, she'd come sit down, open the laptop, turn on church, and he'd say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm watching church. All right. 
And after a few weeks, he started looking over his shoulder. And then eventually he said, I'm so bad, I'll go with you sometime. She just kept doing the natural, waiting for God to do the super. I think about a woman named Rose. Rose and her husband Jerry got married years ago, and her husband was uh, shipped over to Korea. He was in the Air Force. They, that left her stuck in an apartment in Florida by herself, didn't know anybody. And then her next door neighbor came over and met her, and, and they just got to talking. And a few weeks of them just being friends, his neighbor asked Rose, do you want to you go to church with me? And Rose said, I've never been to church before. And she said, well, come and join me. You might like it. And so she did. And after a few weeks, just ambushed by the grace of God, gave her life to Jesus, got baptized, and then had to write her husband a letter. She wrote her husband, Jerry, who was over in Korea, and she said, I'm now going to church, and I'm a Christian. And he wrote back and said, that's great for you, but I'll never go. And so when he got back a year later, true to form, she'd get up and go to church, and he wouldn't go with her. But she just kept praying. She didn't do any guilt or ultimatums or threatening or anything. She just quietly went to church and came home. And one day when she got up, he said, I think I'll go with you. And he did. And true to form, just ambushed by the grace of God. And after a few weeks, he decided to become a Christian and was baptized into Jesus. About a year later, they had a baby girl. And 23 later, years later, I married her. I am forever grateful that Rose kept doing the natural while waiting for the super. I think about a boy named Ryan. Ryan was a high school student when I got to know him. We loaded up a bus full of high school students and took them away to a church camp one summer. Six-hour trip. We get there, unload this huge bus full of kids, a full week of activity there at the camp. At the end of the, the week, we all got back on the bus and began to drive back. Three hours in, we do what all buses do. You stop at McDonald's. You ever seen the look of terror on people's faces in McDonald's? People were quitting their jobs, running out screaming, you know? All these kids come pouring off the bus and create this huge line. And I walk in there and I see this line and I think, I don't want to wait in this line. So I see Ryan. He's about halfway in the line. I walk up and I hand him a $20 bill and I said, Ryan, get me a number three and you get whatever you want and just bring me the change in my food. He had a stunned look on his face. I went and sat down. A little bit later, Ryan brought me my food, gave me my change. He went over and sat with his friends. We all got back on the bus, and we're on our way back home. And about an hour into the trip, Ryan came over and said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He said, you want to know why I was so stunned back there? I said, well, I assumed it was just because of my ridiculous generosity. <laughs> Not so much. He said, last night, during our final uh, worship service together at camp. The speaker talked about a mission organization they were going to take up an offering for and give it to this organization. And I just sensed God telling me, give everything you have. And all I had was my lunch money for today. So I gave it all. I said, Ryan, let me get this straight. You gave all your money away last night, and you still got in line? <laughs> he, he said, yeah, 
Turns out his stunned look wasn't about my generosity, but about God's. Maybe what God's saying to you through this series is get in line. Do another trip to the river. Keep doing the natural. I am working. I have not forgotten you. I have not unheard your prayers. I have not overlooked your cries. I hear you. I am with you. I am walking with you. And I've got something big in store for you, even if it isn't right now. You keep doing the natural while you wait for me to do the super. Let me pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you for this incredible church, the amazing work they're doing, the lives that they're impacting, the change that's being made in people's lives around here, the baptism we've already seen. God, I thank you that you are so faithful while we work and while we wait. So would you inspire some hearts here right now, God? some people that are praying for people far from you, some people that need to make a phone call, some people that need to, to give a, a, an apology or a, I forgive you. Some next steps we all need to take, God, while we wait to see your supernatural hand in our lives. So God, would you just continue to speak to us today through this time together? And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.